Sometimes I read my scripture when I'm a third of the way through my message. Just so you know, I don't forget it. And I'll read it this morning. You know, speaking of loud and clear, and things staying the same and changing, I remember when Spam was a canned meat product. I remember when having something online meant you caught a fish. I remember when emoji was not even a word. I remember when gay meant bright and pleasant, a feeling of cheer, high-spirited merriment. I remember some things, I hope you do, some of you do, all of you won't because you weren't here then. I like for things to stay the same. I don't get what I want, but I mean, I like for, I, I like for say that things to stay the same. And I get, sometimes I get caught and held up and dragged through it and, and kicking and screaming, I change. And I usually find out when the change happens for the better. But I like for communication to be clear. I like for it to be state, straightforward. I like for it to be understand. I don't, I don't want somebody to say something to me and I have to worry about, well, what did they mean by that? Did they mean this or did they mean that? I want you to tell me what you mean. And I'll just say it this way. Say what you mean and mean what you say. That's okay. As long as you do it in the right spirit, caught up in the love of God, it's all right. Not jumping on anybody, getting mad at somebody just because you're telling them the truth. Of course, you do get warned and you need to know a lot of times the bearer of the truth is one who gets the blame for it. I've had a lot of things say to me I didn't understand. I understand what God's Word has told me, but a lot of other things. I, do, I, I had a, My son-in-law once told me when we were dealing with a lake house situation, several of our family had places on Lake Santa Fe, which is down, I guess, south and east. I would just almost do south of us, a little bit west of us. But when you get to Gainesville, it's kind of east of Gainesville. Nice, large, beautiful lake there. But they had a shortage of water, and things went down, and the places that were really affected were not the lake, but the canals. And by this time, I think we had sold our house there. And, and uh, But my, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Martha and Max Gesser, still had a place, but their house was one of, on one of the canals, and the furthest from the lake down kind of at the end of the canal. So their canal was really affected by the low water. You couldn't really navigate it. And so we were in a discussion one day, and things were getting better. It seemed like the word was coming out, the lake was improving, things were coming back up. And my son-in-law said, well, you know, you can launch. I was talking about taking a watercraft down there, and, and that, was at, that was at their dock and launching it and using it. He said, well, you can launch from Martha Mike's house now. You can do that. I said, I didn't know that. I hadn't heard that. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, the water's high enough to be able to, you can launch for their house. Okay. So the next day I went down to Lake Santa Fe. And without checking anything else, I got on that watercraft and I started trying to get down that canal. 
I mean, it was clogged up with every kind of debris you can think of and stuff from too low water and mud, and that water crap was pulling up stuff. And I was creeping along trying to push it myself. People standing on the bank looking at me saying, well, didn't you know that this water was not high enough? I said, no, I was told it was. Well, you were told wrong. So I went back home, and I didn't jump on any one individual, but I just told everybody, the water's not high enough on that canal to go down, and I'm proof of it. And we went into all that. And I said to, I said to the person who told me, didn't you tell me that you could launch from their house and go down the canal? He said, oh, I didn't mean from their house. I meant from that boat ramp that's halfway down the canal that's close to their house. I said, oh, okay. What else are you going to say? <laughs> it's better to say things that are correct and precise and specific. And one thing about God's word is, he will tell you the truth. And he'll tell it so you can understand it, so you can claim it, so you can believe it and stand on it. And when you try to put it into practice, it will work. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, speaks of some people who did not believe what he was saying. i read it for you this morning. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. First of all, without any doubt, I'm reading from the Amplified Version. Without any doubt, know that mockers will come in the last days, and with their mocking, following after their own human desires, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? What has become of it? For ever since the fathers fell asleep in death, all things have continued exactly as they did from the beginning of creation. For they willingly forget the fact that the heavens existed long ago by the word of God, and the earth was formed out of the water and by the water, through which the world at that time was destroyed by being flooded with water. Here's the part of this I want you to see. There are scoffers described here in the scripture who say where is the promise of of his coming. We know we've been told he's coming again. And Peter, of course, is expressing all of this about unbelievers and people denying the word of God to give you some context. We know they're saying that the promise is that he'll come again. But ever since that was said, nothing has changed. Things are still just like they were. Getting worse, in fact, but not showing that Jesus is coming back again. So where is the promise of his coming? And I want to declare to you this morning the promise of his coming. I want to tell you that there are some things that are loud and clear. There are some things that have exclamation points, exclamation points, exclamation point, and then are underlined and highlighted. And one of those things is the promise of his coming. The word of God declares he's coming again. And most importantly... The Word of God quotes the Savior as saying, I will come again. John 14, if I go away, I will come again and 
receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. Over and over, Jesus said he would return. And it doesn't matter that there's somebody standing over here and saying, well, nothing's changed. The church isn't any better. People aren't any better. I don't see any difference going on. Why should I believe he's coming again? Nothing's changed. You should believe it because he said it. He's coming back again. And there's no doubt about that. When you talk about things that not, haven't changed and things are the same, it's because... We're looking for signs. Now, I grant you, when you look at the Middle East, you can see reasons to believe Jesus is coming again soon. You can see all kinds of signs. I can have a conversation with somebody sometime and walk away thinking, that's a good reason, a good sign that Jesus is coming again. The ignorance that is spread out among us. The lack of spiritual perception that's in the body of Christ. All kinds of things indicate Jesus is coming again. Not only the historical events that are going on, But all of that says it too. But none of this is going to convince the scoffer. None of this is going to persuade the unbeliever. You have to make your decision based on the evidence you have, some of which I'm going to share with you this morning, whether you really believe that Jesus is coming again as he said he would, whether you believe he's coming at all, or whether you believe he's coming soon. You've got to decide that. I will preach the truth to you this morning, but I will not persuade you to believe it if you don't believe it. Or maybe I will. Maybe the Holy Spirit will. Let's pray that he will. But it's perhaps true that almost everybody here believes he's coming anyway. It's just that you're not expecting him to come today. Or soon. Or in your lifetime. But he may come today. I don't see any reason why the rapture could not. I see no scriptural impediment to the rapture occurring today. Let me clarify with you, because I taught and preached about the second coming more than one time here. Let me give you very quickly. The next event on the eschatological calendar of God is is the return of Jesus in the rapture. We gave it a name because we could call it the catching away of the church, and that's a little long. We could say the redemption of the bride. But when we understand the terminology, we say the rapture. The rapture is the next thing. I don't see anything hindering that. Now, the second coming, let's call it the second coming stage two. When, When the rapture occurs, the tribulation immediately begins. A seven year period. A tribulation described in the Bible. In the middle of that time, after three and a half years, the Antichrist will arise and be designated as the leader of the Jews, the leader of Israel. And of course, it will be finally discovered that he is the Antichrist, and not working in, their in-, in Israel's interest, but working against them. The last three and a half years during the rule of the Antichrist will be the Great Tribulation. At the end of the tribulation, the Armageddon. And in that Armageddon, Jesus is coming again to earth. And that's the time he will win the battle of Armageddon and begin to rule and reign on the earth and set up the millennial kingdom for a thousand years. So the reason I go into all of that is so that you can understand there are things that have to happen before the great tribulation. There are things that have to happen before the return of Jesus in the battle of Armageddon at the end of the tribulation. There are things that have to happen. 
But as far as the rapture, when Jesus comes back to catch away the church, that's described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and other references that Jesus himself made to, to his coming, when he said, watch and pray, look every day and expect my coming, be careful to know that I will return, and there will be people who will be working side by side. Some will be expecting me and some will not. Those who are expected to be looking for me, I'll catch away. Those references are to the rapture. Okay, I've got you on good solid ground now, I hope, if you've been listening to me. Okay, so I'm talking now specifically about the rapture. The next event in the stages of the coming of Jesus is going to be the rapture. So, there are sounds, words that are loud and clear that communicate this message to us. I often think, most often think, when I'm referring to something in the future, maybe not a couple of hours ahead, but when I'm referring about something that may happen next week or next month, it comes into my mind almost always that I should be thinking if the Lord hasn't come back by then, if Jesus tarries. Because we need to plan our futures with the certainty, spiritual certainty, that Jesus is coming again for his bride. He's coming again for his church because he said he would come again, and he is coming again. So there are sounds that make this all clear. And, you know, I, I started to think about clear and clear. Oh, there you are. I wonder why you weren't. I missed you. Good to see you. Nobody said amen. That's why I knew you didn't know you were back there. All right. Okay. So step it up, folks. You're still leading us. <laughs> the clear communication of Jesus coming again. Somebody said, I believe the coming of Jesus is so near that I stopped looking for signs and listening for sounds. And I think there's some validity to that thought. There are going to be abundant sounds when Jesus comes again. They'll be loud and they'll be clear. They'll be understood clearly. Loud and clear. They'll be understood clearly by those people who are ready to go. Those people who are ready to be caught up. Those who are going in the rapture. They will be understood. The sounds, the words, the communication will be understood. It will be loud, the Bible says, and it will be clear. I'm going to show you how. And where it says that. I love those songs that have to do with the coming of Jesus. You know, it's a fairly new song. That, oh, the king is coming, the king is coming. I just heard the trumpet sounding and now his face I see. Oh, the king is coming, the king is coming. Praise God. He's coming for me. An old, old song. I still like to sing it. We sing it a lot of times here. We shall see the king. We shall see the king. We shall see the king when he comes. He's coming in power. We'll hail the blessed hour. We shall see the king when he comes. Hallelujah. But how will you know when he's come? Well, first of all, I hope and trust for every one of you when he comes, all gravity will lose its hold on you. And you will start rising through the air. How can that be possible? We don't have spacesuits, and when you get up so far, you won't be able to breathe. The pressure will be too great. If the back drives to come back down, we'll burn up. How can that be possible? Nothing 
is impossible, the most spectacular, unbelievable, preposterous, supernatural thing is possible with God. In that elevation as you rise, you will be transformed. The scripture makes it very clear. You will be transformed. Your body will be renewed, brought into a glorified state as you rise through the air to the heavenly place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us and with that place that he will come back to take us to be with him. So, so you may not be positive by the sounds. If you, it, by the signs. If you were looking at the signs, you might be able to predict that he's coming tomorrow, next day, next week, next month. But nobody's ever succeeded in that yet, predicting when he's going to come. And you know what I decided I'd do? I decided I wouldn't play that game. I never talked about when, never put any guarantees out there Jesus is going. I've never let a crowd of people clad in sheets. I mean, either, not, not for any reason, not for the good clothes clad and not for the rapture. I've never let a crowd of people I'm sorry. I never let a crowd of people cloaked in sheets go up on the mountaintop to wait for Jesus to come. Because that's stupid. I've done ignorant things, but not stupid things. So, so I've never done that. And I hope you've never been a part of that. If you had, God will forgive you. These people run big, full-page ads in the, in the newspapers. And they ran it in the U.S. way today, one guy did. This is the date, the time Jesus is coming again. That was a couple of years ago. He hadn't come back yet. I think sometimes the way to know absolutely, if you want to know any one time that you're safe to know Jesus is not coming back, is when you see somebody's predicting he's coming back on November the 13th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you can be sure you're safe at that time. He ain't coming back then. He wouldn't do it just to keep that fool from being right. I'm, 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 <laughs> thank you, thank you, <laughs> So, 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 but, he, but, he, but he's coming. That, uh, that is a certainty. And at the time of his descent, here's what I want you to know. I'm talking about loud and clear sounds. At the time of his coming, you'll know it because he's going to say, I'm here. I'm coming. I'm on my way. Now I'm here. I don't know that's the words he's going to say. But I do know the Bible says he's going to make a loud sound of announcement. And let us know he's coming or he's here. He's ready for us. This is what the Bible says. The Lord, 1 Thessalonians 4.16. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout, with a loud command. With a loud declaration. There's going to be a sound that reverberates throughout the earth. It doesn't matter what kind of cocoon you're in. If you're locked in your car, closed in your house, somewhere that you're set aside, that you can't hear anything from the outside, it's not going to matter. If you're a child of God, you're going to hear that loud command. And I don't know what he's going to say. It may be, come on up. It may be, I'm here to get you. I don't know. But it's going to be a loud sound of command saying, I'm here. This is the rapture. And then, and then when Jesus makes that loud command, the voice of the archangel is going to join in with him. Just to let everybody know that all of heaven is on board with this plan. 
Again, I'm still in John, uh, or in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. And then he says, there will be the trumpet call of God. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever paid real close, specific attention to this trumpet call of God. I don't know what any of this is going to say. I don't know what it's going to sound like. I just know there's going to be a loud sound from Jesus. There's going to be a loud joining together of agreement from the archangel. And then there's going to be a trumpet that sounds. You know, when they, I don't know what they do now. I'm not sure they use a trumpet now. But even I watch all these old westerns, and so they always had this. The bugler was on. He, yeah, he sounded retreat. Whatever. It was a certain sound they retreated. He sounded that charge. And they moved at the charge. And so when the trumpet sounds, it may be a sound we've never heard before, but that's all right because we'll recognize it. You'll understand it. You'll know what it is. Everybody around you may not know. Only those people who are ready to be caught up with him are going to know and recognize the sound. Those other people, I don't think, will even know what's going on. They'll think there's been a big commotion, a big upstir, something exploded, and or there's been some volcano erupted or something. They won't have any idea what's happened. They'll just know something is abnormal or something out of the ordinary has happened. But you, you child of God, will hear and know the sound. It will come loud and clear to your understanding because you hear his voice and you know his voice now. And if you know his voice now, you're going to recognize that when he makes that loud shout of return, when he comes again to capture his bride out of this earth, you're going to recognize that sound of his voice. Behold, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We won't all die. We won't all die. But uh, this is chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. If you die before he comes, you're a part of the rapture. If you're still living when he comes, living for him, you're a part of the rapture. Because here's what he says. We shall not all sleep or die. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. When? At the last trumpet. When the trumpet sound cries out and that trumpet signals to all the saints of God, come on up. It won't be reveille. It won't be retreat. It won't be charged. It'll be a sound from God's trumpet saying, come on up. I'm ready to receive you home to myself. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I don't know why you're not shouting, because I'm having a trouble restraining myself. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's coming. And then he says, this, this is a certain, this is what I want you to get this to. He says, this is still in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, he will come and we'll all be changed in the twinkling of an eye. That means in the twinkling of an eye. That means that those who are dead will be raised from the dead. The dead in Christ will rise first. That's in 1 Thessalonians. The dead in Christ will rise when he comes. And then they'll go ahead, and then those who are alive and ready to be caught up with him will all be joined together in the air. Those who are dead in Christ will be transformed, being glorified. And those who are here will be caught up. It will just be the same transition as from death to new life, to eternal life. We'll experience that transition as well as we go up. Doesn't this sound like, doesn't this sound like somebody out in another world, out of space, talking like this crazy stuff we see? See, that's the way the world looks at it. 
That's the way of the world. They unbelieve. That's the way the scoffers look at it. Man, that guy's stupid. In all of those years, he should have learned more than that. I'll tell you what I learned in all these years. In all these years that I've lived, I've learned to believe it. <laughs> I've learned to believe it. Glory to God. In a few minutes, I'm going to tell you why I believe it so strongly and why my mind is never going to change about it. I'll tell you in just a few minutes. I'll get there. Got to get there pretty quickly, but I'll get there. So, 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 so here it is. This is what it says again. It says it in First Thessalonians. It says again in First Corinthians. At the last trumpet. And then he says, then Paul says, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. It's going to happen. It will come. And the dead will be raised imperishable. And we all shall be changed. Those rising from the grave and those rising from the office, arising from the church pew, arising from the sofa at home, all of us will be changed in that moment in the twinkling of an eye when we're caught up together with him because we know his voice. He calls us home and we're captured and raptured with him. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to skip just a little bit and get this real juicy part. God has never made a promise he has not kept. Or that he will not keep. If he hasn't kept it yet, he will. How do I know God's going to keep promises that he's made that haven't been kept yet? Because he's kept all the promises that prove to me he's a promise keeper. All the promises he has kept tell me he's going to keep all the promises that he has made. You see, I've got a track record with him. I found out he does what he says. I found out I can believe what he says because he's done so much that he said already he's going to do the rest of everything he said. Jesus said, if I would come to him, he would save me. I didn't know anything about that. All I knew was I needed to be saved. And one thing I did know, I needed to be saved. And when God's Spirit called me, I came to Him. He saved me. Later on, I came to understand it. He promised He would. That's why He did, because He promised He would. I called on the name of the Lord. He would save me. I found out I could be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was told about it. It was explained to me. It took me a while before I understood it was His promise. If I had Known in the very beginning that it's his promise, and somebody told me how strongly he is as a promise keeper, he keeps his word. I would have found it a lot easier path to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But as it was, I didn't know that. I thought you had to beg and plead and earn it. So I begged him. Someday I want to tell you about my full experience of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Take me a whole message to do it. But it's contrary. It's contrary to the way I would teach anybody to receive baptism in the Holy Spirit today. Is it because I didn't know? But now I would say to anybody, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit if you choose to be and you ask God and believe it. And why do I know that you can be? Because he promised he would give you the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He promised he would send the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if I go away, I'll send him. And then he did on the day of Pentecost. I had the great eruption of the power of God and the honor of God that happened in Jerusalem. And it's never been forgotten. It never was forgotten in that time, and it's never been forgotten to this day. So he promised. He promised to return. When he went away, 
first chapter of Acts. As the angels looked and said, You men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing into heavens? This same Jesus will so come in like manner. He's coming again, folks. And the way we know he's coming is because he promised to return. He promised to come again for his people, for his bride, for his church, for his children. He promised to come back. And every promise, I've looked at promise after promise after promise that God has made that he has kept to me. You can do the same thing. He saved me because he said he would. He baptized me in the Holy Spirit because he said he would. I came to the Lord when I, when I, when I was facing death. I've often said I was, I was eyeball to eyeball with death. And God brought me out and delivered me, healed me, and restored me. Because God said he would do that. So, so everything that God has said in the way of promising, he's made promises and he's kept them. And Jesus has made promise to come again. Jesus said, I will come again and receive you to myself. I am not going to fail you. The promise is reiterated in the verses that I've given you in Second Peter. In the teaching that I've given you in 1 Corinthians, the promise is stated again and again and again, and the promise is Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for those who are ready for him, who will hear him, who will recognize his voice. Everybody's not to recognize that voice, by the way. I think I said that a few minutes ago. Everybody's not. Let me clarify that just a moment. When Paul fell off the donkey into the dust on the road to Damascus, he saw Jesus. He heard and recognized his voice. But the Bible says about the other people around him, they heard the voice. They didn't see Jesus. They heard the voice. I don't know that it clarifies that they even understood what he was saying. They just heard a voice. There were times when some people just heard the voice. They didn't know it was a voice. They knew it was a noise. They heard the sound. But someone there understood it because there was a message for that person or persons. That's the story of the rapture. There's going to be a sound that a lot of people all over will hear it. But some will recognize the voice. Some will know that it's the call to them. And they'll respond and be caught up together according to the promise of the Lord Jesus that he is coming again. Do you believe it today? Do you believe it? Glory to God. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that a lot of people got to me and told me these things were in the Bible before other people got to me and said in their modernistic way, that's not true. That's just an allegory. I had people who believed the Bible who got hold of me as soon as I got saved. And so those people came around and told me later on, and this all happened, and they came to me later and said, you can't really know that you're saved. You can't really know you're ready to go to heaven. Well, it's already too late. You know, they got to me with a message too late. I already knew that I could. I already knew that I did. People came to me and said, well, the speaking in tongues, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's for another time, another day, another generation, another age. Generationally, we're in a different time right now. The only thing was, by the time they caught me, I was already a tongue-talking Pentecostal. It was too late. To, it was too late to tell me anything. I was already. I already knew it wasn't true. I already knew that. I knew. I already knew it was real because God had already baptized me in the Holy Spirit. Then people came to me and said, "Oh, I'm not going to tell you all the things. I don't have time to do it. But I'm just going to tell you this: people who tr- tried to persuade me." 
that it didn't matter what church I was a member of or what church I went to. As long as we all believe in the same God. They were saying it back then, too, when I was in high school, just like they're saying now. No change. We're all, we're all following the same God. You can go to any church, and, and, and you'll be blessed. You'll be all right, and you'll get good benefits from it. But, you know, I, I am in a church that believes differently from what this church believes. And I believe that my church is based on the Bible. And that was a long time ago, my friends. But I want to tell you this morning, it has not changed since that time. It has not changed. I find today that the gospel is the same gospel that it was 60 years ago. The truth is the same truth that it was 60 years ago. The message is the same message of value and power that it was 60 years ago. The reality is the same as it was 60 years ago. People are still saying the same things. Today, it doesn't matter. I'm still standing on this confidence and this assurance and this foundation. It does matter. It does matter. What God said matters. What Jesus promised matters. And we're going to be ready for the second coming, for the rapture of the church when he comes because we believe it and because we're looking for him. Amen. Stand up with me, please, right now. Everybody stand in the whole place. Stand up with me right now. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.